Hallelujah. All right, if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, please. And I'm going to read at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which has been our main theme. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we're looking at this because we want to be his witnesses, but to be his witnesses, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be transformed. Amen. Hallelujah. And so that's been our main thought here. But lately we've been looking at the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the wisdom of God. And so this morning we're going to look at a lot of scriptures. So uh, maybe just write the reference down. I don't know because um, we're going to have to go through this pretty quick. And there's a lot. But this is my kind of day. I like a lot of scriptures. So uh, the first one's First Corinthians chapter 1. Starting in verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And, you know, I just want to encourage you the world doesn't understand the cross, it, it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. But when you think about it, and you look into it, it, it is. It's the power of God. And part of the reason that it doesn't make sense is because we didn't do anything to earn it. And you know, we're people that we want to work for something. We want to own something. But, you know, the salvation that God gives us is a free gift. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. And he's talking about of the, this world. Verse 20, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Yes, he has. And, you know, I, this thought came to me this morning. The enemy's not really that bright. Okay, we make him out to be a lot smarter than what he is. I mean, all throughout Scripture, it was proclaimed that Jesus was coming and he couldn't figure it out. And then he crucifies them and he stepped right into the plan of God. I mean, like, you know, he's not, he's not as smart as you guys think he is. All right, so quit giving him so much credit. Verse 21. For since... In the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. Isn't that awesome? So he identified Christ, the power of God. And then he says this about Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So, you know, I've shared with you in the past, when you get Christ, when you start walking in the wisdom of God, you get everything. You get all that he is. That's how awesome God is. And this is what he's saying here. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So when we receive Christ, we receive the wisdom of God. 
For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. If you're in 1 Corinthians 1, jump down with me to verse 30. And because of Him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God. So He's our wisdom. And, you know, I, I want to highlight this because we'll look at the other things that are coming, but we, we sometimes forget that He's our wisdom too. To us, wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. See, we can relate to all that, but throw in wisdom. Understand, that's part of our inheritance. Verse 31, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And if you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And even though Christ has become for us wisdom as believers, we need the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to speak to us the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to have the, the freedom to lead us and guide us. Um, and again, you know, it's going to be according to the word of God. And, and that's why it's so important that we get the word of God in us so that we have something that we can test things through and, and surround yourself with godly, strong believers that will help you so that if you start to get off course, they can set some boundaries for you and bring you back in. And the reason this is so important is because when we receive Christ, we receive Christ in a seed form. He, he's not fully developed in us. And so then it becomes our responsibility to allow him to be developed in us, to uh, cause him to grow to maturity in us. Some of us are just happy with being born again and on your way to heaven. And that's not why you got saved. God saved us for more than you just going to heaven. He saved us so that through us, heaven can come down to earth. We're His way of getting heaven to earth. The world can't bring heaven down to earth. Only believers can. But He comes to us in seed form. And so He wants us to be developed in that. Okay, Because if you don't develop your Christian life and you're just content with going to heaven when you die, you're going to have a horrible life between now and then. It won't be any fun at all. You know what's fun is when the glory of God is revealed in you. That's when it's fun. It's fun when people see you going through something and they say, man, how did you get through that? And you can tell them through Jesus. God was with me. All right. First Peter chapter one, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and abiding word of of God. And that's what it is. The seed is the word of God in us. And 
we have to nurture it and take care of it and and allow it to grow strong in us. We can get to it in a minute. So, um, verse twenty-four. Well, let me read twenty-three again because it flows into twenty-four. So 23 says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, and I would put in there seed, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and flowers falls, flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And you know, I mentioned this last week. Forever is, you know, a long time. It's like forever. And the word of the Lord remains forever. And so that's something that we need to be counting on. We need to be banking on that. Not what we see in the natural, which is always changing. But his word and his word will give us wisdom. And this word is the good news that we that has that was preached to you. Um, in the parable of a man sowing seed in different types of soil, and then different things happened according to the different types of soil. Okay, and I, I don't want to take the time to read it, but in there, Jesus tells the disciples, he gives meaning to that parable, and he says this in Luke chapter 8, verse 11. He said, Now the parable is this the seed is the word of God. And so, again, it comes to us in seed form, but we're the ones who have to develop it in us. If you keep seed and you don't do anything with it, it's just going to dry up. It's not going to produce anything. It has to be planted. And then once it's planted, pressure has to come on it. Woo! Everybody say, I like pressure. I know you're lying, but you do like pressure when somebody else is experiencing it. <laughs> as long as it's not you, you like pressure. But you know, he's got to work all of that in us. And, and it's okay because when his seed is fully developed in us, we're unstoppable. There's power in the seed of the life of Christ in us. We have to let that be developed in us. And so we have to develop it. We have to protect the word in us from the forces that would try to remove it or reduce its effect on our lives and in us. And we're the ones that have to bring it to maturity. I shared last week, part of the description of the Holy Spirit is Jesus said, I'm going to send the helper. Okay, he's the helper. He's not the doer. You're the doer. You know, James says that. He says, don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. And it's when you start doing the word of God, that's when the Holy Spirit comes to help you. But if you don't do anything, the Holy Spirit can't help you. But we have it in our Christian mind nowadays that if God wants something done in our life, well, the Holy Spirit is going to have to do it in us. Well, no, he's not going to just have to do it in you. You have to cooperate with Him. We've been through this. You have to give Him something to work with. And you do that by taking one step at a time. 
going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Man, I'm liking this this morning. Y'all are on it. 1 Peter chapter 5, please. And here's a sticking point for a lot of people. Both saved and unsaved. unsaved. It takes humility to walk in the wisdom of God. You have to be humble. We all know people that they don't want to be humble. They don't want to humble themselves. And I'm telling you, if you don't humble yourself before God, you don't get His wisdom. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm not going to read it, but you can write this down. James chapter 4, verse 6 says the same thing about God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And I want to bring this up because even to receive salvation, you have to humble yourself. You have to come to the place where you know that, you know what, you've messed up. You don't have a means to fix it, but you've met Jesus and He can. He can turn your life around. Um, Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9, please. Jeremiah chapter 9. If we're not humble, we short-circuit what God can and wants to do in our lives. It's in that place of humility that we give God the freedom to move in our lives. And part of being humble means that when you see something in God's Word, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. A lot of us see things in God's Word and we say to ourselves, well, I'm not comfortable doing that. And so you use that as an excuse not to do what He says. Or you say to yourself, well, I don't understand that, so I'm not going to do it. Okay? Then what you're telling me is you're not going to walk by faith either. Jeremiah chapter 9, the tide is turned. Verses 23 and 24. Jeremiah 9, 23 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. How awesome is that? 
If you're going to boast, he says, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. How do we do that? Through salvation. Through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Through studying and reading God's Word. From meditating on His Word. From being a, a doer of His Word. Being willing to be obedient to His Word. That's how we come to know Him. A lot of us know Him in theory, but we don't know Him in practice. And knowing Him in theory is to know that He loves you and that He died for you. But to know Him in theory is to rejoice in the love that He has for us and in the sacrifice that He gave for us and then to walk in it. Isaiah chapter 47. You can turn there. I read this last week, but I just want to make sure we get it this week too. And then we're going to go on. In Isaiah 47, verse 10, he says this. You felt secure in your wickedness. You said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray. And you said in your heart, I am. And there is no one besides me. That's pretty tough. Pretty tough word when we don't acknowledge God. Verse 11. But evil shall come upon you, which you will not know how to charm away. Disaster shall fall upon you, for which you will not be able to atone. And ruin shall come upon you suddenly, of which you know nothing. And so he's presenting with us with a choice. And earlier in Isaiah, he talks about giving us that invitation to go higher. His thoughts are not, or our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. His ways are so much higher than ours. And so we have that invitation to come up higher, to have the thoughts of God, to have the mind of Christ. But we have to pursue that. It doesn't just happen in our lives. If you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11 now. Isaiah chapter 11. And I'm going to get into how I have lived my life since I have found this. As a young believer, I remember coming across this. And I remember seeing this and putting these Scriptures together. There's four set of Scriptures that, well, maybe five, that we're going to put together. Four that we're going to put together and then one that I'll close with. And I read these and I know it was the Holy Spirit leading me. And so I started making this my prayer. And so I started praying this over myself. And then I started praying it for my natural family that they would get this when the veil is removed from them and they have salvation. And then meeting Diana, praying it for her and then praying it for our children. I pray it for you guys all the time. You hear most of this on Sunday morning. Now I've toned it down a little bit on Sunday morning, but we may just ramp it back up. All right? Because I think we need it in this world. But in Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says this, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, 
and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. In other words, just looking at the natural. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Now, as I was reading this, um, and there's other scriptures we're going to see, I'm going to read them in the Amplified Bible as well. Because it brings so much more out. And that's what the Amplified does. It, it amplifies the scriptures. So I'm going to read verses 2 to 4 in Isaiah chapter 11 in the Amplified. Verse 2 says this, And the Spirit of the Lord will, shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. Now, I, I, let me pause here for a second. After my message last week, I was so blessed because somebody came up to me and they said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. And I'm like, okay. And this is what they said. I want you to pray that I have the fear of the Lord for the rest of my life. And I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody heard my message today. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? That somebody came up and said, I want to walk in the fear of the Lord. Because if you remember last week, there was a lot of scriptures talking about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and then we read where the fear of the Lord is the beginning of hatred of evil. Woo! So, I know that person's being blessed. I checked on them this week too. They were blessed. And they're going to be blessed next week too. Or this week. Verse 3 in the Amplified. And shall make him of quick understanding, and his delight shall be in the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. And he, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, neither decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness and justice shall he judge the poor and decide with fairness for the meek, the poor and the downtrodden on the earth. And he shall smite the earth and the oppressor with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He shall slay the wicked. Okay. Now, remember this in Isaiah and go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And I, I can remember putting this together because God was speaking to me and I, I had read back in Isaiah and then I'm reading in Ephesians and I'm like, man, this sounds familiar. So I'm looking at them, and then, you know, you got to get the Amplified out, and you find out, whoo, these two go together. And then there's more. We're going to go to Colossians here in just a minute. But 
But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you. Okay, this is what Paul is praying for the believers in Ephesus. Okay may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge in Him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. And let's just pause here for a moment. This working of raising Christ from the dead, this is the working of the Holy Spirit raising Him from the dead. And God's saying, or Paul's trying to get us to understand, this is what we need to know about. This is what we need to get. Verse 21, far raised him in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, let me read this out of the Amplified. And I'm going to read the whole thing, 15 to 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, the people of God, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. For I always pray to the, to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of Him by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which He has called you and how rich is His glorious inheritance in the saints, His set-apart ones, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named above every title that can be conferred not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised through the church. That's you and I. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him 
who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Now, in reading this, can you begin to understand we need to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, spirit of knowledge and understanding, spirit of counsel and fear of, of the Lord. I mean, this is something that I'm hoping that when you go through this, you, you go through your scripture and, and you start putting your name in here, start praying this, start asking God for this, because he'll give it to you. But I'm here to tell you, you have to ask for it. And you have to trust and rely on the Holy Spirit. And He will begin to move things in your life. He'll begin to change your perspective on things. He'll allow you to see things that is beyond your understanding at your age. People look at you, how did you know that? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 9, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Same thing. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. <laughs> I think we talked about this before, right? We're supposed to have endurance and patience with joy. We struggle enough just having endurance and patience. More or less having joy with it. But this is what Paul is saying that we need to have. And you only get it from the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge and understanding of God. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Colossians 1, 9-14 in the Amplified says this, For this reason we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make a special request for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things, that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, and desiring to please Him in all things. Now, can you imagine a better life? There's not a better life to live than to live that. To cry out for that and to ask God for wisdom for that. To be fully pleasing to Him. And having that desire in your heart 
to please Him. You don't have to work it up. It's just, you just want to. Mm. Bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. Verse 11, we pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of His glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance and forbearance with joy. Now, I have to remind you, when he's writing this to the church, the church is not having the greatest day. They're struggling. There's, there's warfare going on. But this is his word of encouragement to them. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people, in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control of the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of His Son, of His love. He has drawn us to Himself. Isn't that amazing? You know, I, as I was looking at this, I was remembering the Scripture that we looked at. Um, I, it was back in James. And it says how the, the Lord jealously longs for us. You know, God wants more of us than we want of Him. And we have to, we have to start agreeing with Him. We have to start letting Him all, have all of us. Because that's what He wants. And that's the best thing that can happen for our lives is for Him to have as, as much of us as He can. Hopefully having all of us. And He's the one who's transferred us out of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. That means that He's in love with us. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. And then we're going to close with Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And in here, we're going to read my go-to scripture, my favorite scripture of all time. It's the one that when I read this, I remember pausing and made a declaration before the Lord, this is how I'm going to live. Okay? Here we go. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Which is Christ. Everybody say, which is Christ. Verse 3, here it is. In, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. 
when I read that scripture, I said, God, I said, I'm making a covenant with you. I am going after Christ because I want all the treasures of wisdom. Everything that's hidden in him, I want. I want to find them. I want to seek them out. I want to know them. Because it's in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If I gain more of Christ, I gain more of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm telling you, I just, this is how I am. When I came to Christ, he, he lost the bargain on that deal. I was the one who gained everything. All he got was me. But I needed him so much and I wanted him so much. And then when I came across this scripture, I'm like, look, nothing's going to keep me from coming after you. Nothing. And that's been my life's journey. In the Amplified. We're going to skip verse 1. We're going to go to verse 2. Colossians 2.2 2, For my concern is that their hearts may be braced, comforted, cheered, and encouraged as they are knit together in love that they may come to have all the abounding wealth and blessings of assured conviction of understanding and that they may become progressively more intimately acquainted with and may know more definitely and accurately and thoroughly the mystic, mystic secret of God, which is Christ, the Anointed One. And then here it is, verse 3. In Him... All the treasures of divine wisdom, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and all the riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden. Whew. I say this in order that no one may mislead and delude you by plausible and persuasive and attractive arguments and beguiling speech. You've heard me say it, but I'm going to put it together in my prayer. And again, I prayed this for myself, prayed it for my family in the natural, for Diana, for our kids, for you. And it goes something like this. And then when our kids were smaller, I always threw this in. First uh, John chapter three, verse eight. But I, I'm just going to give it to you. And most of you, if you've been here any length of time, you've heard it. And by the way, it's good to have our son Caleb in the house today. Uh, we had to get Erica to come here to be able to get him to come here. So it worked. All right. This is what I would pray. Father, I ask that you give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Spirit of knowledge and understanding. Spirit of fear and counsel and discernment of you. That I may know you and the love that you have for me. And that I might walk in a manner worthy and pleasing of you all the days of my life. And then for my kids, I would, I would always add. And Father, I thank you that greater is he that lives in them than he, than he that lives in the world. 
And Father, we thank you that we're going to see greatness come out of their lives. In Jesus' name. And I'm telling you, I want to encourage you. Go to these scriptures. Find out. Write it out. If you have. That's what I had to do. I had to write it out until I memorized it. Okay? But write it out. I mean, and I, I have left some stuff out. You can pray that you're fruitful for every good work. You know, there's, there's more. Just go through. Write it out. Start praying it over yourself. Start praying it over your family. You will begin to see God answer that cry. And, you know, when he talks about the fear of the Lord, sometimes it's not fear as in, you know, you're afraid of him, but it's in that reverence, that awe of God. And that's what God wants us to have. Because it's that awe of God that keeps us centered on Him and gives us the ability to tap into His wisdom. Alright, stand with me. So I don't know if you're going to be happy or excited about this, but we're done with wisdom. For, for the moment. We're going on to... We're going to talk about Thanksgiving next week because it's Thanksgiving. And then we have some other stuff that we're going to, that I'll be sharing with you. So, all right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. Thank you for this time together that we can look into your word. And Father, I thank you that you've given us a blueprint that we can pray according to your word. And Father, I know that when we pray according to your word, that you hear us. And I know that if we pray according to your word and you hear us, then you answer us as well. And Father, I thank you that you're going to work mighty things in us. Thank you for the wisdom that you're giving us as your people. But Lord, I also thank you that greatness is getting ready to be released out of our lives because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Again, Father, we thank you for the veterans that have protected this country. And Lord, we thank you for this time that we're going to be gathering together for a fellowship. We ask you to bless it and bless the food for our bodies in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. If you need prayer, feel free to come up. We'll be delighted to pray with you.